Hey everybody, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. Please welcome my good friend Kyle Laurel. Uh, he's a longtime metal fan. If you live in Brooklyn and you check out all the shows at St. Vitus or any of the other uh, you know venues in the area, you'll see Kyle at the show. Seen him for years. He's been on the podcast once before. Very interesting guy. He's a spoken word artist and very active in the suspension subculture. Now, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in the press. Um, there's been a lot of like borderline yellow journalism running rampant in the extreme music scene this, these days. And uh, Kyle and I just wanted to kind of talk about that, talk freely, talk about speaking freely and speaking our minds and uh, just sort of getting all that stuff out there to everybody. And neither one of us are experts on anything. Some of you may not even agree with what we say, but I just wanted to open up this forum for discussion. And uh, similar to the Antifa episode I did a little while ago, uh, once again, please feel free to comment and send me messages. And even if you disagree, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Because that's the last thing I want to do is suppress anyone's free freedom to speak their minds. Before we get going, I just want to direct you to On It. Head over to everythingwentblackmedia.com. If you're into healthy living, exercise, click on the portal. And that's a, a way for me to wet my beak a little bit. Keep the lights on around here. Also, you can support the podcast by checking out our Patreon. It's uh, on the Facebook page. It's pinned at the top. If you go to Everything Went Black Media, a um, pop-up shows up, and you can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you can't do that, just I would appreciate any sort of word of mouth to your friends. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to turn people onto that, that'd be great. Giving us likes on Facebook. Um, you know, checking out the Instagram, which I've changed that to everything went black underscore Mike Hill. That's the Instagram officially for this podcast, as well as some of the ridiculous things I get into in my life. You'll see on there too. And uh, some new platforms that you can listen to us on. Uh, we're on Google Play, Spotify, as well as the mainstays of iTunes, streaming at the site, Stitcher, and on YouTube. And if you don't want to miss an episode, please subscribe via iTunes. Yeah. When, it, when it comes to, you know, capitalism, I think, you know, people want more fairness. They want more balance. They want more, you know, uh, just consideration for, for their plights and their, you know, troubles or whatever it is that they think could, that needs improvement in society. Right. And I'm all for that. Sure. I'm all for that. But what I think, and this is just, let me preference everything that I say on here. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying my best not to make a fool of myself. Because I assume that half of the things I say are probably like, you know, it, a little ill-informed to a lot of ill-informed. Well, dude, none of us are. I'm just trying are. to have my own opinion. Yeah, none of us and are like sociology. And this is the point of conversations so that we can bounce our ideas yeah, off totally. of each other and yeah. get feedback. Uh -huh. None of us are of, experts. Right, us. and then just sort of <laughs> clarify. So I'm just talking. It seems to me that like, in an effort for more fairness and more inclusion and more, you know, everything that would be better and good for society. With all the problems with capitalism, it's like, how do I say this? Out of all the socioeconomic um, systems that have been tried in the past, by no means is capitalism, you know, 
working ideally as it could, but compared to everything else, I think it's the least genocidal. Let me, I'll put it that way. It's the least genocidal and it's the least murderous at best compared to all the other systems that have been tried, whether it's like Marxism or communism or whatever other socioeconomic systems that have been attempted in the past, just looking at, you know, yeah. empirical evidence of statistics and body counts, you know what I mean, over the last 100, 150 years, capitalism seems to be the least murderous and genocidal. Now, it has, it needs lots of improvement. Yeah, because some of the problems with capitalism is like, I mean, in theory, just like a lot of these, like, you know, systems. Yeah. You know, it, it's good. You know, competition's good, you know, yeah. as far as like getting, the you know, a, a fair price mm -hmm. and quality products, all right. that stuff. You know, that's that's a good thing. But like, then human nature tends to corrupt. Exactly. Any good that's already happening at some point, human nature is going to corrupt right. it. And yeah. a lot of people are going to get crushed under the spoke of that wheel. Yeah, so to speak. Exactly, and that's yeah. that's really what the problem with capitalism is. Is that you know after a while, it's like the bottom line becomes like the the goal, as opposed yeah. to it's not necessarily Over humane treatment. Yeah, it's not necessarily like a community based. Uh, it turns into this thing where it's not like community and human right. based like sort of system. Well, here's the thing that I, I've sort of been looking into more and more though. But it seems, uh, and again, this is just something I've been fairly recently learning and studying about in the past six months. Um, Capitalism or inequality, let's say inequality, mm -hmm. has been a much bigger problem in nature and the course of human history. You know what I mean? Whether it's human beings or the way stars are formed in the galaxy or the way trees grow in the forest. Inequality in, in nature and the universe as a whole is, has been a much bigger dilemma or a much bigger thing that you could look at way before you know modern civilization or western civilization implemented widespread capitalism okay so i think in the sense i think when you lay when you lay all the ills that are troubling you know uh society like western civilization society when you lay all those ills at the at the feet of, at the feet of capitalism i don't think you're looking deep enough at what we really should be studying and looking into, you know what I mean, to get to the bottom, the root of what's causing that inequality. Um, same thing with like hierarchies to right. an extent. Okay. And nature, nature itself, hierarchies exist in every form of nature that you can look at, whether it's animals or human beings. And when you when you talk about like hierarchies, you know, whether it's like, uh, you know, male dominance or competence dominance. I think when you start to place the blame on the simplest thing that you can look at as, as the root cause or something like that, I think you're leaving out a lot of what else could be contributing to that, maybe more so than the most obvious thing. Well, that that's the big issue, I think, with today in general, the last several years is just this kind of literal total lack of subtlety that people use when they analyze some of the problems that we're having. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, it's not just an absolute yes or no. Everything is like this kind of gray area, almost like a case by case thing. Yeah. And then you look at statistically where all these things like intersect mm -hmm. and that becomes like what, okay, that's the path. You know what I mean? It's right. not just like yes or no, you know, like it's just, there's so much subtlety with every situation yeah. that you have to, 
But uh, but as humans, because we like to instinctually data chunk everything, mm -hmm. you know, we use pattern recognition. So it's like, all right, it has out of like these seven variables, five of those variables are checked off. So it's this thing. Yeah. Instead of going the other mile and being like, okay, these other overtones actually inform this whole thing. Yeah. And then we just simplest simplify everything yeah. down. And we that's try that. to pick the most obvious thing. And that, and that's reasonable. I understand why we do that. But that's where we get, you know, we, we get uh, stuck on those things, mm -hmm. especially as our society becomes more and more complex. Right. You know, the simplistic data chunking of when we're like running through the, the woods trying to escape from, you know, predators or, or you know, bring down bison. In yeah. a simpler world, that data chunking works. Right. But then once you start having all this complexity in the society, that instinct sort of uh, has to be enhanced and it has to be uh, updated. You know, more updated and, yeah. more, and we're not because we're still the same hominids that existed out, you know, right. physiologically, the whole thing. You yeah. know, we're not really meant to be in this society, so we have to really focus on expanding our, our skill set and adding some subtlety in the way we take data in. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I think and I, the way I we personally assess things exactly and try to for anything that I say or think, and this is why um, I've been trying to interact with people more either in person or on social media. The only way I have of checking my biases is to throw out my thought, assume okay, this is how I feel as a gut feeling, mm -hmm. but it may be ignorant. Let me throw it out there and see what kind of feedback I get from other people that I really respect. Like uh, Carlin, yeah, uh, our okay. mutual friend yep. Carlin, th there was a thing where, okay, so college campuses around, you know, the U.S. and Europe and Canada and other places, there's been, been a thing where I consider myself like a left-leaning liberal. Sure. You know what too. I mean? I'm all about like openness mm -hmm. and, and freedom of speech and those kind of things. Um, and... I try to have some nuance of how I divide what I consider very disagreeable speech or repugnant speech that I don't like mm -hmm. as opposed to what hate speech is. Okay. And I yeah. think that over time, as time goes on, especially in like recent years, the line between what people will classify as hate speech as, you know, as opposed to very disagreeable speech yeah. is yeah. getting more blurred and blurred. And I try to draw the line at like uh, for me unless you're advocating for something like violent and inhumane to happen to me like i don't really consider that hate speech and also the whole thing of like violent speech dude it's like if i don't if i really if, no matter how strongly i disagree with you unless you're overtly saying you want something to happen to me i don't yeah. really consider speech violent because I grew up at a time in the world, and especially in New York City, where violence wasn't violence until you were getting punched in the face. Sure. Or someone was putting their hands on you. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? So I understand people's feelings getting hurt. Yeah. And I'm feeling like they're being – there's a big difference between insult and assault. Exactly, yeah. And I think that line has been getting terribly blurred based on people's emotional gut reaction. So I put up a post about how you know different right-wing right -wing speakers – who I vehemently disagree with. Sure. Right? Like yeah. Ann Coulter. Yep. Totally. For instance, they've been getting uh, disinvited and they've been, you know, been being not allowed to speak at like certain universities 
that they've either been to already in the past or that they're being invited to, you know, in the first place. And okay, I don't agree with anything, almost anything Ann Coulter has to say. Absolutely not. 9.9 9. 9 out of 10 things that she has to say, I don't agree with at all. But do I think she's the same as Richard Spencer? Not exactly. Yeah, I mean, Richard Spencer is is part of that underground of white nationalism. Yeah, yeah it's white yeah. nationalism masquerading. Right. You know it's what like I mean? It's like a cleaned up version of it that uh, has a more commercial appeal to it. Right. But it's still the same right. thing. And, and even, right. So I don't agree with Ann Coulter, but I think she should be allowed to speak if she's invited to a university. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that got a lot of backlash. And I went back and forth with some of my friends who, like, I really respect and I value their opinions. And it wasn't until later on in the thread where Carlin chimed in and she made a really good point that I hadn't considered, which was when it comes to, like, universities and people that, like, pay tuition mm -hmm. and the kids that go to these schools, their tuition money is funding you know, the room and board and the travel sure. and that invitation. Yeah. So up until she said that, I was like, dude, if people want to speak at universities, let them speak as long as they're not advocating for people to be strung up on trees. Yeah. If they're like or, organizing some kind of like, all right, we're, we're uh, recruiting, recruiting for this like hate group. Yeah. And our agenda is the annihilation of whatever, whatever group. Yeah. No, that's not cool. That's yeah. That's like a militaristic sort of like, you know, take like on recruitment me. thing. But if right. someone's expressing unpopular beliefs, yeah, then I mean, in your, in your, you're going to get an education at a university and you know, if you're studying like the Roman empire or something yeah. like that, you're going to have some, you know, darker aspects of that as well as all the great engineering things yeah. they did. With and I think it's important to let those people, speak to an extent yeah because if you don't if you don't have that outward public discourse even if it's some i don't think there's anything i or you could say that's going to change ann coulter's mind no. but at least the people who feel like her they see their opinion getting out there through her the vessel and i think that keeps them a little bit more civilized yeah because when you don't allow that rhetoric to get out there at all or to have a platform you know what I mean? In, in some sort of mainstream sure. sort of way. It just forces it underground. And then it like then it really becomes like poisonous well, and dangerous. Well, two things, actually, that with that. What you, one was what you just said. When it becomes like this underground sort of thing. And then it becomes like having like some secretive and clandestine, secretive clandestine yeah. operation. And then people are, are, you know, society like disenfranchised youth are probably you know they're, they're enamored with that sort of secret world right so they turn to that that so that makes makes it more attractive to makes certain it more people. attractive and then also like you don't know who has those ideas i think by letting someone like that get out there and speak and all the people that get behind her or whoever then you get to see okay that one, that one, that one, that one, all think like this yeah, thing. exactly. And then we're aware of who they are, and they're aware of who we are, and we can try to talk to them. But if you make it all just go away, then we don't even know, you know what I mean? Who yeah, it's thinks, underground. Then we don't know who thinks what, yeah. and we don't, we're not able to identify. And the other thing, too, and this is like a little bit more subtle, is like mm. the, um, you know, when you're telling someone they can't show up and do something, like, for example, you're using Ann Coulter here, if like the young liberals at this college no nope nope no ann coulter can't have it okay can't have her yeah 
So then you become like the left, that young liberal person, that group becomes the suppressor. Right. You know what I mean? As opposed to, sure, man, everyone has their, their, you know, they can express their, their opinions and they are free to speak, you know, and then you suddenly become the censor of everything. And that's the thing. It's like, I've been seeing more and more of this on the left and that, and I'm not, I have varying opinions on different things. Some things I lean a little bit more on the right about most things I lean to the left about, but as a, you know, considering myself like an open-minded liberal mm-hmm. when i see my own like you know camp so okay. to speak start to exhibit more and more of the behavior of the other side that i don't agree with yeah i feel like i almost have more of a responsibility to speak up about that than i do to even oppose the other side it's sort of like almost like get your own house in order to to a certain extent like, how are we going to fight the good fight when you're starting to do things that I disagree with the same as the other side? I want us to, you know what I mean? It becomes hypocritical. It becomes hypocritical. Yeah, right. So, you know, recently when I've been speaking out about more and more of these things that I see, you know, um, ra- like radical left leftist ideology, mm-hmm. when I speak about those things, people... You know, they've gotten confused about where I stand on issues. And it's like, no, I stand where I always stand. But it's like when I see my own, I hate to say the word camp or side, because these things are a little bit more complex. Yeah, than saying I'm on the are. left or the right for every yeah. thing. Um, when I see people that I would, that I think of myself as mostly having things in common with, when I see them start to do it, it's kind of like, yo, I, I kind of want to check it to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Just to kind of keep things... Uh, well, yeah. th- another thing that's interesting to me, too, is like the, um, you know, back in the 80s, okay, mm-hmm. there was uh, Howard Stern and, you know, um, the hustler guy, Larry Flint. Larry Flint. You know, right. and and this is like, a, uh, this one's out there, that Max Hardcore guy. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. I mean, that, I mean, I don't think anyone, <laughs> yeah. I hope no one is into that, that extreme. I mean, yeah. hey, whatever you're into, you're into, but that was like a real test uh-huh. of free speech in a lot of ways. Right, right. You know what I mean? So the left wing, the left, the liberals were the ones who were coming to champion these causes of free speech, okay? And in this case, it was actually a free speech situation where there was legislation, Mm -hmm. the government was trying to suppress your free speech, okay? So that's a true free speech situation, Mm -hmm. to, to keep the government in check and allowing you to freely express yourself. So... You know, the liberals came to these defenses of Howard Stern and, you know, we don't like what you say, but or what you do or what you right. do, but you have the right to do those things. Right. And the same thing with you, Larry Flint. And the or same thing like D Snyder or D Snyder, Twisted, 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 Sister. Twisted Sister, yeah, who made like, you know, he, he stepped up to the plate back in the day. Oh, yeah. To defend metal. Totally. You know what I mean? And, and to his credit, he did it very well. Yeah. He, and like, you know, different organizations, whether they were like, you know, the PMRC. Uh, right. That like, <laughs> yeah. These different organizations that wouldn't normally come there, D. Snyder with a ten foot stick, had to step up to the plate and go, you know what? Like we don't like we don't like what your content is, but we agree with you know what I mean? Yeah. That I mean, you should be able to to have it and put it out there. Yeah. I think over time that's getting more and more blurred and, and getting more and more pushback from I think the people who should be defending it. And an, another example back in the history, historical past yeah. of the 80s and early 90s is like, you know, like uh, gangster rap was mm-hmm. like a big 
you know, NWA, you know, the fantasy right. world of violence and, you know, um, sexism and all this other yeah. sort of misogynistic, you know, fantasy world that these guys had in their song, in their music. And, you know, I like, I, dude, I have yeah. all the records, you know what I mean? Well, that's the weird thing also when it comes to this whole, like, separating um, art. art from the individual to a certain extent. I think with any any sort of creativity, whether it's like gangster rap or whether it's, you know, black metal or whether... Or Max you know, Hardcore. Well, Max actually, hardcore, in that case, I think the separation is not Right, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think you have to suspend a little disbelief to let people, unless they're overtly saying this, this, and that. And if they're not overtly saying it, even if they're starting to tread the line a little bit too much real close to comfort. Sure. You got to check it. But I think for the most part, you have to be able to give people the freedom of expression without condemning them just because you don't agree with whatever their perspective or their expression is. Right. You know what I mean? So now like 30 years later, right. We have not necessarily the government going after people with, to regulate what they're saying or how they're expressing themselves. We actually have, the full circle of the liberals now that now the people yeah. who used to be the champion of free speech right. are now telling people because they're expressing something which is opposite to how they might feel mm -hmm. that they can no longer express themselves that way right so now, now that we're on this part of it yeah um i'd kind of like to address some of the things that have been going on with like within our circle yeah okay of like black metal sure and all that stuff a uh, couple of things so i want to touch on uh uh, Inquisition <laughs> and Dagon, and I okay. want to touch on um, Youngin in the Way. Okay, I don't know much about Young. Oh wait, there was it was a uh, sexual misconduct thing. With well, them? even before that, okay, we right. can we can All touch right. on that. Right. But before that, I remember, um, I've seen them like like two or three times in yeah. recent years. Sure. First time I saw them, I was like, oh, this is dope. I like it. Bought you know a T-shirt or whatever, and then they ended up coming to play at Vitus, and I remember standing in the merch line with. John from Sonhet, mm -hmm. and then we looked up, and one of their T-shirts had like a, a skull with like two lightning bolts, you know, through oh, it, like and SS. it said like something about the true enemy. And me and him both looked at each other, and we're like, "What the fuck is that supposed to mean?" You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and again, it's like I think a lot of black metal bands, or even like in the industrial scene, people like flirting with the whole notion. Of like Nazism and okay, some of them do. I think they're actually like Nazis and they're a part of like. Some of them, I'm more inclined to go. Yeah, probably maybe like blood and axis then, or something right, like that. Or, like or, or others, I'm going. as eh, so I think they're trying to be like cute. Like what was the band that just got um, they had their whole tour shut down. Oh uh, well, okay. There's this is this uh, is happening. Ta Taka. Yeah, Taka. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this ties in with Young and in the Way. Um, I think they were on tour together, actually, weren't they? Are they now? No, no, I no. I think that back, was a meme. Back in the day. I oh, think back they, in the I day. I think they did tour together. Oh, that's ironic. Possibly. So, yeah. okay, so with the merch thing, me and John are sitting there going, uh, I don't know if he wants his name mentioned, but I don't think I'm saying anything bad or whatever. But anyhow, we're standing there going, well, what do they mean by that? Yeah. And to me, I'm looking at it going, oh, they're doing that thing where they're flirting with the line, maybe. Maybe they're, they aren't that, and maybe they don't actually endorse that, but maybe they think they're being a little cute. Or maybe they think, you know, they weren't paying attention. But I don't think it's like, dude, if you play black metal, you have to be aware of what throwing two fucking lightning bolts between a skull 
is going to look like yeah. to any guy that just walks up to the merch. You you know what I mean? I think you're being a little pur- purposely provocative. Yeah. And definitely. if you're not being purposely provocative, you're at least being a little um, unaware of how that might come off to other people. Yeah. And, and maybe you care, maybe you don't care. Yeah. Right? That's fine. But you have to be given the opportunity to, 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 bait, explain, to debate your side of it. Though. Yeah, and yeah. also to explain yourself. Exactly. Right, And once you clarify, cool, if that's what you say it is, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. That's my whole thing in life. I try to go through life giving people the benefit of the doubt first before I like jump to condemning them on some, well, what the fuck, this is what I want to think, regardless of what you say. Right? Which I think is a huge, pro- huge problem. So... The top, um, the young and in the way thing. When we saw that shirt and that logo, I was like, "That's kind of weird." Like, whatever. Like, and then I looked online, and they had kind of addressed it. That well, like, what was their response? I don't. I oh, we're we're not that, and it was just sort of, you know, it was a little vague, but it was enough that I'm going. Well, they addressed it, and they kind of, you know, they basically said we're not a Nazi band, and we don't, you know fuck with that shit or whatever so i was like all right fine benefit of the doubt moving on wasn't pleased but yeah some of the things about that though is i remember you know i I lived in boston for a number of years in the the 90s so that you know there's a lot of of some wild shit happened in that city during Mm -hmm. the 90s and there's always been wild shit happening in boston especially (laughs) in the the 80s and the 90s though Mm -hmm. there was there were there were nazi skinheads in the late 80s and then into the 90s they were there but not so much as prevalent as in, prevalent, the, in right. the late 80s but um you know if you if you were like represented yourself as a nazi and you but you weren't part of that group of skinheads they would probably they would beat your ass yeah 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 you know as well as the guys on the other side it was almost like almost like gang rules it was definitely gang. like you can't it was no, no, no make no mistake yeah, about yeah, it it gangs. was gang rules yeah. it was gangs gangster right. shit prison shit like, yeah, yeah totally to an extent where like don't don't fly these colors if you're not going to be about it. Right. To a certain extent, don't even look the part. Yeah, man. Unless you're willing to take ownership and fucking deal with like the real consequences. Now like, that mentality, I, I back that idea. Yeah. Because even of, even on the other side, that I'm like, yeah. oh, you guys are fucking pigs. But at least you're about it. Exactly. You know, you know what, what I mean? mean? At it, least you like put and, it out. There. And I, but I do think that you know, if if you're not, if you don't have that that ideology, mm-hmm. you shouldn't. It's very irresponsible. Irresponsible. Yeah. Now, once again, and though, it's unnecessarily provocative. Unnecessarily provocative. Most people don't realize that in Tifa, there's no like central leadership or guidelines or like code of conduct. It's sort of like, you know, it's a banner, right? But there's it's not really an organization. It's a banner that all these loose knit cells and sections all kind of function under their own accord. And, you know, some of them, I think, are trying to fight the good fight for the right reasons. And then you have other facets of it that are just, you know, they're almost more anarchist than they are freedom fighters. And they're very overzealous. And I, they're very quick to make accusations. And like the thing with Taco with their previous tour before the one that just got shut down, they fucking let off a smoke bomb in some venue on the West Coast, which, like, dude, when you do that, it's like, I don't give a fuck what your point is. You're completely, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're endangering people's yeah. well-being. Innocent and, people. You know, innocent Even people. if you don't agree that, like, maybe they don't know whatever your gripe is about, you know, decay or whatever. You can't let off a fucking smoke bomb, smoke bomb in the middle of a venue. 
you're defeating your own point and you're creating more you know enemies and allies and you're just defeating your own purpose right so there's that and i think because of the backlash that they got from that it kind of stuck in their craw and they made a point to continue their agenda against decay so when the only problem is that you mentioned uh, before they have a you know some of the sh shit that they spew is a propagandist yeah to definitely. a certain extent yeah and and a lot of it's incorrect because like certain bands that they flagged as being you know nazi related or whatever like whoa they're not wait hold on a second whoa was way oh yeah yeah, yeah. A national yeah, socialist they, they were, yeah they've had shows and like little mini tours that they were going to do in europe they got flagged by antifa can you like those dudes wow you know what i mean huh. like what do you like they're just they're wrong that's insane they're man. wrong you know what i mean about yeah. like several other groups they've been wrong about so again they're defeating their own purpose in that aspect but the the thing about the most recent thing with the decay is is that there was actually you know there was fire to that smoke yeah yeah because definitely. there there was a picture okay and it was 10 years ago where the dude came out you know what i mean wearing a fucking swatch to cut some show in germany which he made a point to and do, it's illegal to do that in which germany it's illegal to do there yeah. and he made a point to do it there and i understand <laughs> okay it's 10 years ago whatever you thought you were being you know extreme or outrageous or inflammatory whatever the fuck you think you were doing do i think that guy is necessarily like a full-blown nazi not maybe not probably not right but like a lot of black metal bands i try to give people the benefit yeah. of the doubt I assume, like most, you know, industrial bands or a lot of black metal bands, they like flirting with some of the, you know, yeah, I mean, even, with the insignia and the vibe, yeah, but even, they may not necessarily be full-blown, and you know, fighters for the Nazi cause or yeah, even the, the Sex Pistols and you know, back right, in the all 80s. that bullshit, yeah, right. So with Decay, uh, there is that there is that photo of him, right? And here's the thing. They probably, they did that 10 years ago and they were able to go on with their careers in Europe and they were able to do their first couple of tours here without any incident or without any outcry. But one, once that photo really started to circulate recently, a lot of, and again, there was a little bit of fire to that smoke. And even though it was 10 years ago, it's like one of my friends told me when we were talking about it amongst ourselves, it's like, dude, if you're going to act like a troll, you know what I mean? You yeah. got to expect to deal with the fucking troll consequences. No, I agree with that. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, um, do I agree with Antifa as far as how they've gone about the whole thing with that band? No. But do I, but am I at all sympathetic to the, to the extent that Take feels that they got fucked out of a tour? Not really. Because you're kind of getting what, what was coming to you. Whether it was ten years ago, whether it was five years ago. Well, all right. Now this brings up like an you interesting, fucked up. This yeah. This brings up an interesting thing. Yeah. It's like, do I think that Taka are Nazis? No. Do I no. think that the singer thinks he's Gigi Allen or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Now, the 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 problem I have with this whole thing is this kind of like McCarthyist, like backstabbing way in which this information gets released to people. Like, okay. Yeah. Obviously, this happened ten years ago. Right. I mean, 10 years ago, I was a different person. I don't think I would do some of the things I did 10 years ago. Right. But no one was actually, no one wanted to have a, a conversation about it. They just yeah, wanted well, they to, just shut, want to shut it down and make shut it, it go down away. And shut it, it down away and make it go away. And make these accusations about people that right. may or may not be, fault, be true well, or false. Also, with, with that guy, the singer, he, 
when it happened and also like a few years following, he had released a couple of like public statements yeah. to address it. Right. And even in the public statements, he he like told the club owner in Europe, he called him an Ubermensch, which like, dude, if you're trying to make a public statement about not being a Nazi, it's probably not a good <laughs> idea to call a club owner an Ubermensch. And then tell him to go suck a Muslim. You know yeah, what I mean? Probably. Like, it's not a good idea to address the fact that you're not a Nazi. Even if I don't think you're necessarily a Nazi, you're saying and reflecting, you know, we all know what an Ubermensch is. If, if you're up on that terminology, you're making a point to say some more provocative shit. Right. You know what I mean? Which So you fucked up there, too, even in your explanation. So I don't really feel bad for that band. No, I don't feel bad for the band, but what yeah. I do feel... I feel I bad feel, about that the discussion gets shut down. Yeah, I feel I feel yeah. concerned right. that there's no discussion. Discourse. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's a common thing that happened, because actually in um, when a number of years ago, we were on tour with this uh, Italian band called The Secret, right? Okay, Over yeah. in Europe. Yeah, I've seen those and, uh And then, like, a sh the show in Nuremberg got canceled because Antifa said that the singer for The Secret... Um, they have a photograph of him wearing a Burzum t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So rather than contacting the band and right. being like, what's up with your shirt? Yeah. They just were like threatened. threatened what's that about? Do you want to clarify yeah. anything? Threaten the promoter. Yeah. And then we ended up playing in some nowhere town in, the, in, with, in front of 10 people. Right. With the secret. Right. And, and even Mar Marco even tried to contact the promoter and be like, hey, you know, yeah. let's, let's put that's out some not, sort of press that's release. That's not cool. That's not cool. And here's the thing. When it comes to Burzum, right? Um, and I, I thought about Burzum and Varg in reference to Charles Manson. Okay. Because I think there's, sure. a, I think there's a bit of a connection when people, I follow. Talk, I follow when people talk about how do you separate art, you know, and, and the individual and the politics, you know what I mean, from, from fascination and all that. Sure. Growing up, I was fascinated by Manson. You know what I mean? And like that whole thing and the whole vibe. Me too. Fascinated. You yeah. know, read the books. You know what I mean? Uh, Listen to the interviews. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even the artwork, even his own music. I checked it out and I was like, wow, dude. You know what I mean? If he could have just stuck with his own cr creativity and with his charisma, this guy, he could have been a celebrity. He was rolling with the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. He was on the path. He auditioned to be in the monkeys too. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> he could have been something if he was able to curtail. It's like Hitler was also what uh, an accomplished painter, right, and an artist to some extent. And so, to take notice of that person's expression or their art or what they could have become instead is to take notice of that and to be fascinated by it. I don't think is the same as endorsing. The, the evils that they eventually ended up committing. Well, be so because uh, then you can also, um, you know, start going after filmmakers who make films about World War II. You can go after like, like you can just because you're interested in something or some dark, right, historical figure. Which at this stage of the game, Charles Manson is a part of Americana. Like he's an American. The lexicon. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. part of our dis of our culture. culture, you know, and he, it's like. Yeah, he destroyed the, 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 the hippie 60s. Yeah. He's the pinnacle of like, you know, that at its peak and what he was able to do. You know what I mean? He had 30, you know, 
30 models on a school bus rolling around the country on acid. Yeah. Like, this is what's not interesting about that story. Right, exactly. It could have become something, you know, grand and, and amazing, and it turned out to be something awful and evil and terrible. So, in, in when it comes to Burzum, all right, right, or Varg. Yeah, Burzum and yeah, Varg, yeah. When it comes to Varg and Burzum, I look at that and I go, wow, this dude. You may not like Burzum's music. I personally. I think it's interesting. I listen to those riffs and some of those songs, and I'm like, wow, this. I think the guy had talent. I agree with that. I think he had talent. The guy knew how to write a riff. Mm -hmm. He could play a bunch of different instruments. He was an emperor. Huh? He played an emperor. Exactly. I think he knew how to, like, you know, put together some songs. You know what I mean? Now, as far as what what ended up becoming of, like, mayhem and that whole ordeal and what those those guys ended up doing with a movement that could have, you know, what what that all escalated into, mm-hmm. I'm not in agreement with, and no. I don't support. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that doesn't devalue, I think, the efforts of the talent that that guy possessed. But here's the other thing. For me, where I draw the line in my own personal life and my own consciousness, I can be interested and fascinating and fascinated with something and you know, put a certain amount of attention and interest into it, but I draw the line at how, if and how, I could, I would potentially monetarily support it, or even project myself to be seen as if I'm endorsing it. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. I have Burzum. You know what I mean? I have Burzum music in my collection. Yeah. I've listened to it occasionally. Okay. I revisit it. You know what I mean? But would I buy a Mersin, would I buy a, you know, a Burzum t-shirt? No. Would I, because one, I don't want my money going to Varg. You know what I mean? Would I, would I wear anything in public? No, because people, people could interpret it the wrong way. And I'm, I'm aware of the history of how people could misinterpret seeing me with a Burzum shirt, you know, might come off. Absolutely. But at the same time, and this is kind of where I'm still on the edge, and I, I'm still trying to check myself of where I side on something like this. Manson, okay, of course, I don't agree with, like, he eventually orchestrated, you know, the, the slaughter of, like, a pregnant woman, and, you know, he wanted to start a race war. Yeah, definitely. And for anybody that doesn't know, uh, that doesn't know me, like, I'm black, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I'm definitely not, 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 not about that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not about race wars. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what I mean? And, like, his whole concept of what he thought the race war was going to be, like, batshit crazy. And I'm not about it. And so, but I have, like, I Hate God shirts, or I have other merch, like Uncle Acid. Pictures of Manson on it. Have pictures of Manson on it. And so, you know, I own those things, and I bought them at a younger age. But as I get older and I start to analyze it, it's like, okay, I wouldn't necessarily wear a Burzum shirt, but people could look at me wearing a Manson shirt and make that same, you know, unintended interpretation of why I'm wearing and what it represents. And I'm not so sure where I draw the line on that. I think with Manson, like, you know, especially on the some of the Ahi God merch, it's like their, their music is about you know the 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 turmoil the chaos the the nihilism the all that shit all the ills yeah and and you know rotten things about society and expressing you know the the scourge of trying to like live as a civilized person yeah with all those things swirling around in society and what better image of that representation than manson sure you know what i mean so i get that 
You know what I mean? Or like the Uncle Acid shirt that has him and uh, uh, Tate, Sharon Tate on mm -hmm. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if I look at that, I think, okay, that's clearly something that, like, that's a person. She was an actress, mm -hmm. very beautiful, very, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mo go was, model, gorgeous was woman. pregnant when she was. Right. And, yeah, and, and there she ended. is next to this dude who was very, very charismatic, had a bunch of women rolling with him that were just as, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, gorgeous. Yeah, and Sharon Tate. Yeah. Right. It all kind of like ties into like this weird representation of how something that could have been something, you know, for good, how it ends up contributing to something like evil and reprehensible. So that's how I kind of like rationalize it to an extent. I can wrap my head around the, the artwork of expressing that. Well, you bring up an interesting point. We're talking about Mike Williams's artwork with yeah. uh, "I Hate God" because it very much references like that. It was, uh, I think, it was made popular by Brian Geisen, maybe okay. in like the and even Burroughs, like in the late seventies, sixties, eighties, or whatever. This sort of cut up method of of um, juxtaposition. Yeah, just like that whole like like collage, cut up expression using like imagery that was existing. And kind of creating your own narrative with it, you know. Right, what I mean? creating, and that's a lot. Of, that's what Mike Williams does. Yeah, that's what Mike Williams does. That's what you know. A lot of bands that we listen to, yeah, they use like this sort of you know um, iconography that could be interpreted a lot of different ways. And I think if someone ever stops me on the street or says something, I've at least tried to have something ready to say. But that that's a good thing, man. Yeah, I think it's good to like. You know, like once again earlier, Talk on, about I, I said things. people are they're fucking literal and they're like lacking any sense of subtlety. That the fact that you can say, "Oh no, no, actually, it's about this." It's like these are the reasons why, and it makes sense. And there's logic. Yeah, there's a context, a context, and and but when this whole movement of taking that activity right. out of the equation, it just fucking eradicates anything we've done as a culture to, right. to communicate. You yeah. Know? Uh, it's like when Mayhem played at Vitus. Here's the thing: I was con I went to the show, and I actually you, you see me at Vitus sometimes. When many the shows times, are, when the shows times. are sold out at Vitus, um, you know I have a disability. For anybody who doesn't know me, I have CP, so um, I sit on the side of the stage in the corner, like on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when Burzum played, like Mayhem. I was, I'm May sorry. Mayhem. When, May when Mayhem played, <laughs> yeah. thank you for correcting me. When Mayhem played. Uh, I sat on the side of the stage during their set, and I was a little conflicted about it. One, as someone who just knows the history of, of, of black metal, yeah. you got to give the devil his due. And I think that's the best way to describe, if you listen to black metal, you know what I mean? You have to know the history yeah. of that band, because everything that came after it, you know, whether it's, you know, Nazi black metal or, you know, whatever kind of black metal you listen to, you have to understand the history of that band to understand the context of where this music sort of came from and then where it went right and until it got to you so for me you know I, not that it was a nostalgic thing but one i'm familiar with you know that album that they were playing and their music i'm familiar with it um and to some extent i don't know if i was doing this subconsciously or purposely but it's like i'm almost sort of interested to see how they feel about, you know what I mean? Like a black guy sitting on the yeah, side of the totally. stage while they're playing 
knowing the history and the context of that band and I kind of I didn't get a chance to but I wanted to sort of try to speak to Hellhammer yeah you know what I mean yeah because like if, if anybody's read Lords of Chaos he's had some interesting things to say about black and brown people in that sure. book yeah yeah out of he, all the guys in mayhem he was the most like overt <laughs> yeah definitely about like the one and like here's it was weird there were a couple of times during the show where me and him sort of made eye contact briefly and like he didn't seem displeased but he almost just sort of seemed like like cur- like almost oddly curious you know what I mean? That's and I want I, I I wish I would have had the opportunity cuz uh I ended up talking to the guitar players after the show and they were totally cool. You know what I mean? I didn't expect to like make friends with them, but I just kind of you know, as a black guy, they want to see what their deal is. I want to see what the deal is and see yeah. what if there's any possibility for a rapport. You know what I mean? Or or just how they come off. Yeah. I'm interested to know that. And so I went to the show and there were a bunch of people who were pissed that they were even being allowed to play at Vitus. Like uh, sort of... Oh, you know, friends of mine. Oh, yeah, friends of yours, okay. Friends of mine. Okay. That, right. like, you know, just on social media, they'd express the fact that, like, oh, you know, Mayhem comes to play, and no one seems to care about their fucking anti-Semitic or their anti-this or that history. And I, I get that. Sure. They're, that's, that's a relevant feeling or opinion to have. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think they've been as problematic racially as some straight up nazi skinhead bands no not necessarily you know what i mean i was that conflicted about being there to an extent but it's also fucking mayhem if i'm gonna listen to black metal i kind of feel like i kind of have to own up and like if a band like that is playing there like i'm interested to see how that interaction could have potentially went to some extent. That's a, that's really interesting, man. You know, and and and, and but the other. Point that's why that, I made a point to be there to to yeah. some extent. And how do you? What what was your takeaway? Like, how do you? I thought they pl- one. I thought they put on an incredible set. Yeah. And again, that's again appreciating the art. Right. Outside of some of the politics, and also you have. I also also try to consider. And here's another thing: like, if you have a band, especially with bands. There may be four guys or five guys in a band. One one dude could be questionable. You know what I mean? And to some extent, it's the other band member's responsibility to sort of address how that other member represents the whole. Um, So to an extent, I was conflicted, and I'm I'm still not resolved about my interest in intending the show. I can't necessarily say if I should have been there or I shouldn't have been there, but I was interested to be there so i went and if anybody wants to help me unpack that if you see me at a show or if you want to hit me up online like i can be found i'm not you know what i mean i'm not sure i'm not hard to find ask around you can get a hold of me whenever this is posted because i I think which is why i'd like having elena dows in my life oh okay yeah she because uh, she she didn't like um my anti antifa uh, episode so yeah, and and Lena has been on the podcast twice actually. Yeah, she's a friend. I and guess, again, like okay, uh, Lena Lena put out a book a couple of years ago about you know. Um, Which I read. I read the book. Yeah. we both read. It. I have it as well. Yeah, yeah. about you know black women's uh, participation and struggles in, in heavy music, and I actually me and her started to develop like a like a friendship, 
like outside of shows and you know we would hang out and we would have these conversations either on facebook or in person and they were very challenging which is you know i appreciated and i preferred because you know i have my own opinions and i have my own feelings about things but like anybody you don't know how how well your own thoughts and your own emotions hold up unless you have somebody that you respect you know what i mean and someone that whose opinion you value unless you have somebody to put that up against and i think for me like lena was at one point one of those people in my lives and i think um she could really put me on my heels and make me it's very brilliant yeah, person too yeah. and has like all on these, point on point and also has a lot of like at her fingertips these references that yeah. you can pull out which is like makes it hard to yeah you know <laughs> and like for me I, I those are the friendships and relationships kind of friendships and relationships that i value the most in life the ones that are you know like i appreciate you i respect you but i also don't agree with you on everything so we can challenge each other and and that's how i grow as a person and i think uh we ended up having a rift where we you know we haven't been in touch in quite some time and i don't we left off on not such good terms because of our continuing disagreements right but that doesn't make me you know if you, if you hear this lane it shout out you know what <laughs> i mean i got nothing but love and like respect but i think with um with her also at the time her putting out that book and she's a journalist you know mm -hmm. that's her career she gets a lot more backlash sure and a lot more you know what i mean um she gets a lot more strife you know what i mean uh, and i think this is i can't speak for her but this was my interpretation whereas maybe she was looking for a little bit more camaraderie and an allyship for me i think the the idea that more often than not i would tend to play devil's advocate and our conversations or you know what i mean there were things that we agreed on and there were things that we definitely didn't agree on and i think over time that became a little bit more more of a strain than she intended for our uh, interaction or our friendship to ever really be which is i think what created you know the the rift to some extent um which is unfortunate but i i definitely think it was worthwhile yeah i, I like the conversations that i had with her and our interactions were, were worthwhile as far as updating and informing and challenging my own opinions which i always welcome which i think is the best way to be yeah because that's that's uh that discussion and like disagreeing with people and you you have to adapt your own worldview to uh to maybe understand what they're doing and ultimately you grow as a person by doing that yeah so they're all it's all positive things right now one of the things about Lena being Lena being a journalist and being a good journalist versus some of the worst examples of yellow journalism that I've seen in uh, the modern. Oh, oh wait, you got to <laughs> clarify yellow journal yellow journalism. What do you mean by that? Because someone will jump on you about that. But I mean, <laughs> out of context, yeah, yeah. Yellow journalism is a, is a clear it's a clearly defined term though. In Whoa. like, yeah, yeah. Know, I mean, I'm referring to since basically. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding by the way yeah. i know what he means but i'm saying for anybody listening yeah. yeah well how would someone take that the wrong way who knows nowadays okay all right <laughs> that's all well, i'm what saying. i'm talking about is yeah. like blowing something out of proportion there you go and okay. maybe fabricating some stuff in order to sell papers because okay. this was this came to light during like the mccarthy era and all that yeah, yeah. stuff gotcha so i mean my the, what's been really out of hand right now i think is is just 
the heavy metal media or whatever you want to uh-huh. call it um it seems to be on this kind of witch hunt with extreme music and and like outing outing people, outing people and, and outing bands yeah and specifically metal sucks that webzine okay web and like taking them taking them to task yeah so to speak and the, the funniest part about it is all of this information all these big scoops they have on people is actually at least 10 years old for the most part uh-huh. except or a couple maybe, of years old well, or yeah destroy 666 that yeah. was like a couple of years ago i think right uh, yeah like two, two probably years, like two yeah. years ago. and here's the thing with, with that guy even with that band uh i don't there's certain stuff that to an extent if i don't know where you stand and it seems vague i'm just like i don't need to fuck with you like i don't need to see that show like you ain't mayhem <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like i don't really care and there, there's not enough historical context for me to like care about seeing your band and with that particular band it's like do i think that guy's a full-blown nazi well there was some like sexist shit with him too oh yeah right? dude yeah. there was there was, was sexist shit. shit there was yeah. homophobic shit there was all sorts of shit right now here's the thing I grew up in like underground hip hop also, yeah. which has all the misogyny and sexism and like to an extent, homophobia to an extent, you know what I mean? Like that you can imagine, but there's a certain, there's a generational context to some of those sort of things. So with a band like Destroyer 666, I tend to draw the line on like where you're like flirting with Nazism a little bit too much for my comfort and okay like i read the different posts and you know his responses to those things and at the end of the day i just decided you know what some of this is just a little bit too much for me i don't necessarily need to condemn it like it wasn't so bad that i felt the need to like no i gotta speak up about this nah. so i didn't say shit and i just decided i'm gonna keep it moving for i let that one roll but also yeah. one of the things though is like it was the the promoter who decided that he didn't want him to play right okay and so my thing though is like okay that's great i think that's cool that somebody was like okay i'm tired of all these guys you know yeah the patriarchy you know whatever (laughs) but like you have to apply that across the board to every show Mm -hmm. like you i don't want to see this guy book like you know whatever some booty hip-hop show or whatever and you know or if you want to talk about sexism and homophobia did any people have bad brains records there you go. You know what I'm trying to say? There you it's go, like, yeah. Do you have a... Does, you know, okay, so does HR need to go in a corner for the rest of his yeah, life? Yeah, And we never perform? need to hear from him again? Yeah. Yeah. Do you own, uh, you know, any Outlaw Country records? Do you have, like, a Jerry, any Jerry Lee Lewis right. records? You got I, uh, R. Kelly music? You yeah. Know? I think with certain artists, depending on what they did and the context and their explanation, there, there's enough with... If you listen to, like, what, any form of extreme music, whether it's hardcore hip-hop or whether it's extreme metal... There are things that you kind of have to, like, make a psychological almost bargain with yourself that these are the things that I'm going to acknowledge and I'm going to be aware of. I'm going to try to put into a certain context, and here's what I want to enjoy about it. Because it's not all good or all bad. And you kind of got to decide to yourself how much of it is worth me feeling like this is tolerable and this is endurable and here's what i don't necessarily fully agree with and where do you draw the line on your own personal individual basis and and i mean at the end of the day with all this stuff it's like i have to ask metal sucks like Mm -hmm. what the fuck do you expect really man it's like you you're gonna 
like black metal since the second wave of black metal since the early 90s right. like 93 or 8 90 or what whatever. did you think you were like, getting what do you think these with? guys were doing it's yeah. like these you know they like started out burning murder, churches and murdering, murdering each, each other, other yeah you know? and it's like, <laughs> like it was that's the thing i kind of i sort of loved about black metal at the time it was the closest thing to fucking gangster rap that there was in heavy music i agree with you you know that. what i mean yeah. like it was gangster yeah. back in the day like i fucking i was fascinated by so it. i mean either you gotta you gotta have to understand sort of the the vernacular the of like of what, where it came from yeah man it's yeah. like and i'm not saying that i mean that culture is so far removed from like anything that i deal with on a daily basis right you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and it's like the same way that um you know i can listen to uh you know nwa or right. the ghetto boys because i don't live that life and you appreciate the art and the music of it exactly you know I mean? yeah i appreciate where the creative statement comes from and also right if you listen to whatever form of black metal or whatever form of hip-hop that you listen to that you feel like is completely aligned with your moral ideas you have to realize that those artists that you listen to now were at some point influenced by the things that you would like to condemn and the things that you would like to you know do away with from back in the day pick a rapper that you listen to now that you feel like is like common you know what I mean? Let's say you 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 like listening to Common, who's like you know yeah. sort of a safer yeah, hip hop artist. If you yeah. listen to Common, you can't then go condemn N.W.A. or condemn Snoop Dogg or condemn whatever other hip hop artists back in the day because they influenced the guy that you like now. Exactly. That's a very good point about you it. You know what I mean? There's there's a there's a context to where all of this stuff you know came from. And you can't just, you have to, if you're going to enjoy what you like about it, you have to sort of come to terms with the con with the context of where it's rooted from. I agree. And yeah. that's like everything in society to some extent. I mean, that's a very, very astute observation of this whole thing, I think, because it's, um, it's so true, man. It's like, where do you draw the line with right. any of these things? Okay, yeah. all right, well, all right. Now, because Mike Hill said the bad brains uh -huh. are homophobes, so I'm not going to listen to bad brains. Right, okay? yeah. So are you going to listen to, you know, are, are you going to listen to In Living Color? Are you going to listen right. to, or like a living, living Color? Are you going to listen to um, Prong, who's like very influenced by the bad brains? Right, right, exactly. Are you going to listen to, you know, you're not going to listen to them because they're influenced by the bad uh -huh. brains and yeah. the bad brains have this. Any, any metal band that you love, any band, yeah. we've all... We all grew up on Slayer. Are, are you going to throw away your Motley Crue records because of uh, the misogyny that happened with Motley yeah. Crue? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's that, that statement again. If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, like, once you yeah. start, like, you, and you also, I think you have to give. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. No, you. No, no, I really not want you to say. You that. have to give people the opportunity and context to explain themselves. You know what I mean? And Again, in my own life, because, you know, I grew up, again, uh, I'm black and I'm disabled. Like I said, I have CP. I grew up at a time in the in the 90s, you know what I mean? Like when I was coming of age, where there were, there were no safe spaces. People said and they did what the fuck they wanted to some extent. And, and it wasn't good for me to have some of the things happened happened that did to me growing up mm -hmm. but it definitely helped reinforce my spine to, you know what i mean and my own 
my own, you know, logic and self-defenses and my own, you know, like just willpower yeah. to a certain extent, totally. um, you know, to, to get through the world. You know what I mean? And I sort of at a certain point growing up and again, I grew the neighborhood that I lived in. I was bust like 20, 25 minutes away to a suburb in Queens okay. that was almost completely like white and Asian kids. And then during the summer, I went to like summer camp in Bushwick in the 90s when shit was real. Like that's where I saw my first like knives, guns and drugs. Yeah. Like yeah. these were like 12 year old kids that were packing. Jesus. You man. know what I mean? It was it was wild shit back in the day. So it's like at a certain point I had to sort of reconcile with the idea that like look, the wor the world's not a friendly place for the most part. You see the good and worst in people when they're like black and disabled growing up you see the best and you see the worst in people so at a certain extent and it made me very uh it went from making me very defensive yeah to being very aggressive like growing up like sure. i went from being like a kid that got picked on and bullied uh -huh. to becoming very defensive and then getting really like aggressive like swing first fucking ask questions later whatever it's gonna be and at a certain point once i started to calm down I had to sort of make a deal with myself that like, look, before I, before I decide to be reactionary, I want to try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this person isn't intending to come off at me the way I'm interpreting it or, or even dealing with like race relations. At a, if, if I wanted to, I could have went through life feeling like this, this, and that person is racist, they're prejudiced, they've got something against me. And it just, it would have been constant and endless. Yeah. Because there's, there's opportunity to make that interpretation the way you're programmed to wherever you go. Wherever you go, there's an opportunity to look at something and go, this is against me. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I had to make a bargain with myself that I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Even if I think that whatever they're doing is still what they're doing, I want to give myself the opportunity to like, let me look at it from another angle. Let me try to feel, feel it out from another angle other than what my gut feeling and what my instinct and my intuition. Still, you, you should depend on those things. You should, you should depend on your gut feeling and your, and your intuition and your, um, you know, the subtext and the substrates of what you think is happening. Yeah. But I try to initially react on benefit of the doubt. And let me see where this is going first, because going through life in a, in a immediately reactionary way was getting me nothing but fucking brick walls and conflict. Well, that goes back to what we, we were talking about earlier about like data chunking and just sort of pattern recognition and like being a fucking hominid, you know, out in the, you know, walking through the savannas of the ancient world where it's like, you know, we had the reason why we survived as a species is because we were able to associate all these things and that's for survival but then as societies got more and more complicated that mm -hmm. turned into like you know racism prejudices yeah and all these other things because you can check off it's out of like 10 factors yeah if i got five of them that it's this thing it's yeah, yeah. Of like going through six through ten uh -huh. and using that to give some sort of overtone to what yeah. you're actually observing yeah. you know yeah. uh, even even with like uh race relations in America, right? I, in the, growing up in the different, it, w within metal and within hip hop, I sort of started to like 
cue zero in on the fact that I don't think that everyone who necessarily has racial issues, unresolved racial issues, is, you know, like a full-blown actual racist. You know, I was thinking about that myself. And those are the people, like, if someone is willing to talk and try to work it out, not that you're going to, most people that you come across, you can't change their mind. Right. Right. But the one thing that you can do is try to interact with them if they're willing and not that you're necessarily going to change their mind, but you at least leave them open to interacting and communicating with the next person rather than you being the one to shut them off yeah. from feeling like they have a place to speak their mind. You know what I mean? And yeah, indeed, there are straight up like full blown racists. I'm under no misconception about that. But there's a difference, though, between like having unresolved racial yeah, issues I mean, and right. being like a full-blown racist asshole. I mean, you know, my people, my my, my family. Yeah, you know, it's like I have family members. Like, we all have. Grew up in the Bronx or old yeah. school. You know, they have like you know they've said a lot of off-color things here yeah. and there. But they also are the same people who like I've I've come to my house and my parents' house with people yeah. of color in their crew. Right. And here's the other thing. It's and, just, but that doesn't yeah. make that, even though they might have unresolved racial issues, that, that doesn't, doesn't mean they're part of the American Nazi party. Or right. The that doesn't mean, movement. yeah, and I think also, this is a weird thing, I've also discovered that like, I think this comes also from like growing up around different areas of Queens. I think there are certain people out there, a lot of them, who on an individual basis, they don't have problems or prejudices against individuals. Right. But when it comes to the group, whatever group that is or whatever race that is as a whole, that's where you see, you know, with different people that I've known in the past and even like a couple of people that I know right now, on an individual basis, I've seen them interact with all kinds of people and they're totally cool and they're totally comfortable and they're inviting and welcoming and you know civilized yeah but when it comes to their thoughts about a certain group as a whole shit gets a little sketchy shit gets a little weird and if you catch them shit can be overted at the time and that's where you gotta like check them yeah you know what i mean and try to like bring them back down to like earth and you're not going to be able to like save everybody but i don't think it's i don't think we're serving you know the overall society by condemning those people and getting them fired and you know what i mean going out of your way to like completely shun them yeah i mean that that just brings more of a animosity and animosity yeah it you know? just it just feeds the animal and again i'm not trying to save every no. you know asshole sure with, there are tons with, of assholes yeah i'm not yeah. trying to save every asshole that has like disagreeable opinions that i don't fuck with yeah but like depending on who you know and how long you've known that person in the context, again, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I also try to look at things from more angles than just like, yo, that's what you think. That's how you feel. This is who you are. You know, because like I've recently been deemed um, this is go ahead. I, mean, you, well, no, I was just going to say one other thing and like something very ironic, too, about these like extreme metal shows like black metal, you know seen you at many shows you yeah. know we've seen each other how diverse is an actual black metal show if we go to st vitus <laughs> it's like i would say it's like 50 50 man you know there's like it, it's getting there yeah it's like there's, there's a lot more diversity than when i first started doing. i mean and i i mean you know we we toured with 1349 and mm-hmm. Code horror and all these you know you know creator and all these yeah. bands and like we've 
all through like the the southwest and it's like all mexican people man it's yeah. all it's like there's it's oh, not really dude, a lot of white i people. first got put on the cradle of filth from like mexicans that i went to like high school yeah. and like junior high school with like they love black metal they love death metal now you the, know what I mean? the whitest show i've ever been to yeah. has not been a metal show huh. it was uh cigarose Oh wow! That okay. band, that uh, yeah. Icelandic band. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That was the. Th I went to that show, <laughs> and that was like, I. It was. I'm like, I was like, it was. Oh, this man. is shockingly Caucasian. It's shockingly Caucasian. Now the funny thing was like, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, there's like some white people here, man. Yeah. Like it was. Everyone was fucking white at the show. Yeah. And I was like, um, wow, that's kind of interesting. You know what's funny? A lot of the a lot of. That tends to be the case at most underground hip hop shows. Is mostly white people? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. And I think that's more of like an internet thing. Huh. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, like there was a certain time growing up in like underground hip hop where certain artists got known through, net, you know, download networks. Okay. This is like before the internet is what it is now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was mostly kids that were like either tape trading sure. or that were sharing downloads or that were going through certain record stores so i think um you know the awareness was more like suburban okay you know what i mean or at least people that were like um tuned into i don't want to say this the wrong way but that are a little bit more tuned into technology at the time okay. so if you go to like most cities around america with like the underground hip-hop artists that i listen to even the black ones like you think of a guy like sean price who's like born and raised in brownsville who's like when you want to talk about like urban hardcore hip-hop music he's like the gold standard i'd say about 90 90 percent or 85 percent of his audience was like again like you know shockingly caucasian <laughs> when you go to his shows you know wow. what i mean so yeah it's it's an interesting thing huh. and i think because well depending on the rapper the the artists that were on more mainstream labels yeah like you know whether it's jay-z or dmx or whatever those audiences tend to be you know more like you know black people going to those kind of shows but once you got to the underground and you got to where like the mainstream support wasn't there and the media was a little bit more word of mouth wow it, it's most of those people whether they were black hip-hop artists or white or spanish underground hip-hop artists they were mostly supported by like white fans like it's wow. a weird it's a weird interesting weird, thing man. yeah it really huh. is because i mean you know you know a lot from dialect that dude okay yeah yeah he's a good friend of mine yeah like, he was i went up to visit his studio last summer and and he was like turning me on to like a bunch of music yeah he was telling me about how like he's like these kids don't care about records or they just their shit's like mp they're not mp3s um it's all about YouTube. Yeah. Like, everyone's into just having their shit out there. Yeah. And people seeing it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the big platform yeah. for any of this, like... It's our MTV. Yeah, it's, like, any of this, like, R and underground, like, R&B and hip-hop and mm -hmm. all this other stuff that he, he... That's actually what he works on mostly. Gotcha. Is, you know, he's up in, in, in Harlem. Engineering and, yeah. Yeah, producing, doing mm -hmm. beats and all this other stuff. So he's in, in that yeah. scene, like, deep, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, like, yeah, he was telling me, yeah, they don't, they don't give a fuck about records, tapes. Right. They don't care about cassettes or anything. It's, like, it's all just getting their shit online and having, mm -hmm. like, you know, they, you know, anything you watch on your phone, that's it. Right. It's all mobile technology type stuff. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would love for, like, I don't know if there are any, like, scientists or researchers out there to figure out, like, why that sort of happened in underground hip-hop with why, like, 
the audience because in the 90s it was much more integrated and urban then as hip-hop got bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. in the mainstream and the underground became a little bit more subversive the audiences went from being like mostly black to like mixed to like predominantly white kids going to see like urban hip-hop artists like it's a it's a it's a weird thing but um again and even in the, at those kind of shows there are incidences where it's like okay this this person is is a part of the culture they obviously appreciate it they come out to support it they spend their money on it and every now and again you'll catch somebody saying something weird or like what the fuck is that supposed to mean you know what i mean about this thing that you're obviously dedicated to it's almost like you have an appreciation for the artistry but then you have unresolved issues about you know the people that it comes from yeah it's complicated right? it, it's 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 complicated and it goes back to what i'm saying all these like fucking yeah. overtones and shit it's right like, no one wants to it, acknowledge it it's complicated shit. and I know that's why i tr you really i'm not opposed to saying this person's a racist sure but i try to give people as much leeway as possible before i go okay you're that i'm not fucking with you anymore but there is a difference between what you're saying being conf racially conflicted yeah and being racist oh and another level yeah. of of being racially conflicted or racist or organizing some fucking hate group exactly like that's like, yeah yeah there's <laughs> levels to this there's shit. levels yeah. even to this you know yeah. what i'm saying there, there's like, there's a context to all of it or to for example recently on a on like Facebook, you know what I mean? Oh, so in the past year, oh, past maybe year and a half, two years, I've, like I said, I've been trying to integrate and wrap my head around things that are not necessarily in my ballpark. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's, you know, transgender issues yeah. or different things that other kinds of people with other kinds of disabilities deal with. Because even though I have a disability, for the most part, like I walk. Yeah, like I get around on my you're feet. Out and about, yeah. I'm out and about. I'm on my feet, sure. and it's there are segments, I guess, of that community that have just my eyes have re never really been opened to it because I'm just out there living my life. I don't really right. pay attention. Right. I'm just doing my thing, and so when it comes to like you know disability issues or, or or transgender issues or whatever issues that I keep seeing pop up, you know what I mean, in my newsfeed that I wasn't paying that much uh, attention to before or that weren't on my radar. I've been trying to like integrate myself into those sort of like online communities mm -hmm. to sort of try to wrap my head around things and educate myself to some extent. And uh, you know, like uh, maybe about a month ago, I was it was a, it was a weird Facebook group. It sort of intermingled between people that were like LG, uh, BTQ. I don't know all the all, all the, yeah. all the <laughs> initials <laughs> all in the, the right letters. order. I apologize. And people that had like disabilities, people that were from both segments okay. of those that intermingled in this one group. And I had, I had just been reading about different things and trying to, again, wrap my head around it. And I had a, something occurred to me. I don't know if anybody listening has ever heard of, I think it's called the body integrity identity disorder. These are people that want to purposely become disabled. Wow right wrap your head around that shit damn so here's the thing either either by means of like amputation hmm. or by another form of surgery they want to use a wheelchair or they want to get rid of a limb they either want to partially paralyze themselves or they want to remove a limb 
They don't like their right arm. They don't mm-hmm. like they don't like the toes on their left foot. They don't whatever it is that they they you know they want to get rid of an ear. You know what I mean? So they want to like intentionally disable themselves. And bear with me because I didn't think about how I asked this question because it, I'm not approaching it from any. I don't think I'm approaching it from any uh, viewpoint of like hatred. Uh, it's a natural curiosity that I had in the group. The way I think I worded the question was. Could the, do you think or could there be any correlation uh, between the inclinations of you know transgender people and people that have body integrity disorder? What I meant by that was transgender people want to go through their you know procedures and operations to you know make their bodies you know appear and feel you know, be what they imagine yeah, they or wanna, be what they want. Yeah. They want to make that alteration. Sure. You know what I mean? The same way, you know, I do uh, body suspension. Mm-hmm. There right. are plenty of people in the body mod community that, you know, get implants or that get, you know what I mean? You know, carvings, you yeah, know, brands, brands, all kinds yeah, of things. All that stuff, yeah. So, you know, I can understand wanting to alter your body however you want to do it. And even if I think it's no matter how strange I think it is or how unusual I think it is, I'm all for you doing whatever you want to do to your body. So you were just questioning like I was just questioning I, right. or judging anybody for I it. wasn't judging. Yeah. I was just trying to ask like, okay, transgender people want to make these alterations to their body and then people with body integrity disorder want to make these particular alterations to their body. Is there any sort of psychological uh, synapse or connection between the impulse, even though what they're doing, whether it's your genitalia that you're trying to alter, or whether it's your a limb that you're trying to, you know what I mean, or your mobility that yeah. you're trying to alter, could there be any synapse of a correlation between the inclination to do so? Does that make sense the way I'm wording it? That makes I want to be yeah. very clear about yeah. how I'm saying no, that's this. That's an interesting question. Into the microphone sure. and. I posted the question, and then I think within a half hour, uh, I was like removed and blocked from the group. Well, there's that there's that thing we were talking about, right? You know? So then another friend of mine who was in the group, I was like, "Did they? What happened? Like, I'm not in the group anymore." And I'm like, "Can you try to add me back?" And and they did, and they're like, "No, you're blocked, dude." And I was like, "Can you like actually admin why?" And the response that she got was that the question was extremely problematic and that it was transphobic to, you know, conflate that there's any, that there could be any comparison between the two. And I'm not, like, I understand that there are two completely different things that people are trying to do to their physical alterations. Yeah. But I'm, again, I'm just wondering, is there any sort of I mean, I think it's a fair question. I think it's right. You know? I thought and it was a fair question. I was immediately branded as being transphobic. Yeah, well, see, now the this, question was transphobic. But now this this is another really big item that we're coming upon, too. It's yeah. like, you know, you ever read 1984 with, like, yeah. New Speak? New and, Speak, and, uh, right. And, you know, and compelled speech. And what what that did was removed all subtlety from language context context all that stuff's gone context is irrelevant everything has been reduced to these words this is what you said this is what i say you meant this is what i say you meant by what you said yeah and that's the world we're we're moving towards i feel like unless someone puts us like a stop to this where okay that word it's like it, it comes up on some 
fucking net somewhere. It gets caught in a net. Yeah. And now, okay, well, we caught this. We caught you right. saying this word. Mm-hmm. So now you're you're you know, you're this you're, you're that this thing. you're in trouble. You're trouble. You, you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you're problematic. Yes, exactly. You're, and you're, that's rather than opening up some kind of fucking discussion about it. Right. You know, like a trap door opens like, dude, up and you disappear and get sent to hell. Right. You know? Like just like in the group, literally. I asked a question. Then no one even responded to me. Yeah, they just blocked you. They just blocked me. Yeah. I was like, and here's the thing. And I caught myself having that moment. And this is why I'm very careful about who I accuse of being racist. Because my immediately gut reaction was like, oh, word, that's how it is. And fuck y'all. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear shit about anything that, like, any of you have to say. Like, I don't care. Now, again, because I'm me, I catch myself having that moment. And, you know, I can't. I can't follow through with that gut reaction. I have to stop, pause, and adjust myself and go, well, you know, you're upset right now because you feel like you've been unjustly accused, right? But try to sort it out with someone else, even though you're blocked from that group. Whereas other people, they get banished, whether it's on social media or whether it's in real life, Mm -hmm. they get banished. They might take that same gut feeling that I had and go run with it. Yeah. For the rest of their lives. Totally. Yeah. And that's that's the dangerous thing about like, you know, even like you see this thing in sports or you see this thing in like media where someone says the wrong thing and immediately everybody's calling for them to be fired and then for them to be banished. And, you know, what you said, was, depending on what you said, of yeah, course, yeah. there's certain things you can't. You just, you know, depending on what your job is, but there's no context to anything. You said it, you're out. You know what I mean? And I don't think that helps because one, it's like, dude, what do you expect people not to be able to earn a living? Like you, you want to take that away from them because they're a little ignorant or because they're a lot of ignorant. Like, what do you think they're going to do? Who do you think they're going to find to help support them if you banish them from society? Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, where I'm able to catch myself and I'm able to like readjust and I went and I went to other people that I could try to sort through uh, one, my my dissatisfaction with like just being you know, I ousted like that from a, from a group that I thought was very informative and I thought was interesting. I didn't agree with anything in it, but I, it, was, it was at least helping me try to wrap my head around some of those things. Yeah. And then I asked a, what I thought was a fair question, and now I'm out, and now I'm, like, aggravated, you know what I mean, where other people, they take that sentiment of being aggravated and feeling unjustifiably ousted and then they go, they pass that on to their other friends. They pass it on to their kids. Yeah, then it just reflects poorly on that community, too, because of this one group. And they yeah. They chose to deal with you that way, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, you know, I'm not, an, I'm not an innocent victim. I understand why people get upset about these certain things, but it's like, when did we get to the point where we don't even, someone could have said, hey, what do you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. They just completely took, like, the dead statement and decided this is what I say you meant by that, and it's unacceptable, and out you go. Like, how do, there's no way, and it, whether it's Facebook or real life, like, this, this shit is happening, like, out in the actual world. Oh, yeah. Left definitely. and right, everywhere you go. You well, know what I mean? There's, um, what the hell's the guy's name? His last name is Winstein. Oh, Brett Weinstein. Brett, Brett Weinstein. Oh, yeah, at Evergreen College. Yeah, you've seen all This about. is another thing that, like, set me off, okay? Yeah. So this guy... His college, uh, Evergreen, look it up. Brett Weinstein, uh, Vice did like a piece on it. Yeah, yeah. Where he, his him college. And his wife, too. Yeah, right? him and his wife. Yeah. Yeah. His college did like a day of, um, a day of absence where to prove a point, all the black 
all the black students that went to uh, that college, they would take a day where they all wouldn't show up as a way to say that, like, you know, always, you know, try to be aware of, of our plights because imagine if, you know, if we all went away, how would you feel about that? How would that, you know, how would that affect society? How yeah. would that affect our school? Like their absence. Their absence, right. which is totally reasonable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see the, the point. The flip side to that, what they then tried to do, this was like, they've been doing this day of absence thing for like, I guess, like a decade or two. Yeah, it's like it's, like it's been a, a long-running tradition. tradition long-running tradition. Yeah, so now the, the current new generation, what they then tried to do was uh, the minority students tried to tell all the white kids at the school that, you know what, you guys shouldn't attend school that day so that you, you know what I mean? In order to have our backs to show that you're in allyship and that you support us, you shouldn't come to school that day so that you know what it's like. And Brett's whole point was, is that I understand if, if you want to have your day of absence, and I support that, and I'm a part of it. And this guy, had, he had had a track record of defending civil rights issues yeah. throughout his life yes. when it wasn't beneficial to him at all. Yeah, he's, he's a he, known social justice proponent. Exactly. He's Jewish. And so, his, right, his whole thing was like, it's, it's kind of inherently ra racist I hate to use a term like reverse racism because that that's taken on so many different meanings that are hard to refine. But it's like imposing the flip side of what you guys are doing is not it's not the same to tell one group of people that they shouldn't come to school one day to show their support for you is not the same as you choosing to not come to school. Yeah. And just because you're inverting you know, you're inverting the situation does not mean that it's the same uh, the connotation. Not the, same, yeah. the sentiment is not the same. Yeah. And, and, and when he spoke up about that, very many people tried to brand him as like, you know, like a patriarchal, well, like, you know, white cis male and, racist. And or They called him a Nazi, actually. They, they call, right. They, now, they he's a Nazi. A Nazi. Now, he's a, now he's a Nazi. Yeah. And it's like. That's the kind of thing that, again... They threatened him with... Uh, if, if I would have been going to Evergreen at this time, I would have been one of the people to go, wait, hold on. No, I actually know what he means, and I know the point that he's making, and I don't... I think you guys are misconstruing what he's trying to say. But then you would be But then I would then be outcasted and be branded yeah. as like a race traitor. Yeah, or, or a Nazi. Or a Nazi. Yeah, I'm yeah. a race trading Nazi. Yep. Right. So uh, that's another one of these things where it's like, where where are we going with all this? You know what I mean? Like, and and you know, he was threatened with you know violence too. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, no, they also said like losing that, their that mind. this whole thing of like your views and your what you say is 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 that was one of the things that they oh, they right. showed on Vice. What we what he's saying is violence. He, his his opinions are his opinions are violent and, and again this comes back to me growing up the way I did not to say the way that the way I grew up is the best way to be but it's like there was a very clear distinction of when people you know there was a very clear distinction okay we're having a disagreement but we're still talking yeah totally and it's not violent until you get up in my face yeah you're actually putting your hands and now on somebody. right and yeah. now kids nowadays they have this this notion that because they feel like they're feelings are being assaulted 
that it's actually the same as violence. Like, assault is not insult. And unless you're advocating for someone to hit me or unless you're telling me that you're going to come over here and punch me in the face, is not the same. And I think that sentiment is lost on, a, you know, so many in the youth culture and also, you know, people that are contemporaries of us that are our age. It's, it's such a weird thing. And for the longest time, I was sort of just like keeping to myself and ignoring all of it and just trying to like, I don't get it, but I don't want to like, you know, ruffle the waves or whatever. Like, I don't want to make any waves. But then that starts to fester. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. eventually, if you don't address it, if you don't get it out there, it comes out of the wrong way at the wrong time, totally. which luckily hasn't happened to me. But when you suppress people's interaction, you know, then it comes out distorted and then it comes out in, in poisonous, you know. Well, yeah, it's like it's like that just even in your personal life, man. If you're, you know, if, if you have family members that yeah. you don't get along with and, and you don't address it, you just bite your tongue and, and it's going to come out at the wrong moment yeah. for something. The family, like Thanksgiving dinner, right. you get a couple of drinks in you yeah. and you shoot your mouth off. And, and someone says like something that was, you know, a level two on the scale of, you know, level 10, and you smash in, uh, an ant with a sledgehammer. Yeah, you just blow up at everyone. <laughs> and, right. you know, and then, and then oh, you just, look like the asshole. Yeah, and you're like, oh, you guys misunderstood me, you know? Yeah. It's like, and that that's that's what this is all about, really, yeah. you know? Yeah, or, yeah, I mean, did we, did we even, even get into the thing about communism yet? Did we discuss that on here? We uh, talked about that when you... Oh, when yeah. we first started. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's just like, it all sort of... In the, in the effort for more fairness and more equality and more inclusion, I find that, like, the the actual opposite is, is happening in, in so many uh, areas. And don't get me wrong, I, com- I completely support the notion that things, there's always room for improvement. And there's always, you know, there's, we should always be striving to make things better for whoever. To within reason and i and i appreciate the sentiment that the youth culture has in these improvements but there needs to remain a con- a context for one giving people the benefit of the doubt and you know two more importantly be willing to have that discussion and not just shut it down and not just make it go away that doesn't help well, you, you mentioned that you've been seeing this hammer and sickle uh, iconography popping up here and there. So, right. <laughs> okay. so here's the thing. All right. Um, in, in theory, I, I see why people, um, in theory, oh, give me a second. Sorry. Uh, in theory, I see why people think communism is a good idea. Because the notions and the, you know, the goals of it are to make things fair so that everybody can have, you know what I mean, uh, what they need, you know what I mean? Each according to his own or each according to ability, his own ability. I get that, right. But there are plenty of theories that sound great, but that in practice have proven over time again and again to be disastrous. And so when it comes to like, you know, the younger generation, be uh being drawn to communism i get it to an extent and so far i've only really seen it on social media like people that are like you know posting like hammer and sickle right and like which is really a complicated symbol too if you think about it yeah you know what i mean if you think about stalin and right Mao, (laughs) you know know what i mean like 
Yeah, and it's like, when it comes to communism, right now we're in Gravesend, which is only 15, 20 minutes from Brighton Beach. Mm-hmm. And if you understand anything about Brighton Beach, it's it's probably the, the primary neighborhood in New York City where people that immigrated from the Soviet Union came, you know what I mean, to America to get away from communism. You know what I mean? Th- and they didn't all just pick up and leave, you know what I mean, because things were going so well. Yeah. Th- th- there's a reason, you know what I mean? And so when it comes to, one, the body count on communism is far exceeding the Holocaust or any other recent... Well, I mean, even just the, the body count of Jewish people killed, yeah. destroyed is, you know... I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I mean, Stalin was, was just as... I think Hitler was somewhere around 17, 20 million on the total. You know what I mean? Like, overall, as far as the war and every and everybody in, in each nation that the Nazis ended up, like, mur- you know, being accountable for as far as their death toll. Yeah. But Stalin, there, there's... There's no succinct number even, or Mao. It's it's beyond what what's calculable, you know what I mean? According to like the record books of how many people died. So, for me, having a context of knowing Brighton Beach and knowing you know different places around the world and people that came here to get away from communism, and my uncle, you know what I mean, who grew up around in different uh, countries, he schooled me on that very young because I had you know you start to learn about it in school and you're reading it and you're like oh these. These seem like good ideas. What's so wrong with it? Until he goes, well, this happened there. You know, China, Korea, Singapore. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, it's it's more of the 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 human you know ego and hubris that steps in and corrupts these ideas. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Of course. But again, I, if if something that has a good intention gets corrupted, every place that uh that it that it was attempted to be in. in attempted to be implemented at what point do you draw the line so for me anytime i see the hammer and sickle i'm like i don't understand why that doesn't get as much of a bad rap as a swastika does to some extent considering the damage that it's done and again i'm going to preface what i'm saying with i may be you know half wrong about what i'm saying right now but I'm just trying to put the th- my thoughts out there yeah. so that this conversation can happen with others in a greater context. I don't understand people, you know, uh, either knowingly or, you know, or not fully educated, throwing out that kind of imagery and throwing out that kind of ideology without fully grasping, like, the horrors that it caused around the world. I mean, I just got into an argument for the first quite fitting i got into an argument for the first time ever on facebook about communism you know what i mean as opposed to capitalism and again i mean capitalism doesn't work ideally but compared to everything else that's been tried so far it's not it's not as genocidal so. i mean it's definitely got its issues though, oh yeah 100 percent. you know a hundred percent i mean like living in this like especially here in new york city yeah. you like the one of those greed oriented capitalist Mm -hmm. places on the planet but again we're speaking we have to recognize that right now you're recording this on like a a mac laptop and we're speaking in the microphones and you know what i mean these are innovations that we have access to because of capitalism yeah the competitive nature of and innovation innovation and all that and that comes that comes at a price now i don't want to say that those all those prices are worthwhile 
because some of them are very unjustly detrimental. You know what I mean? As far as the, the, the benefit and detriment that we, that we get and that we trade for, you know what I mean? Our, um, uh, our amenities, you know, and living in a Western civilization, you know, we we live fairly comfortable lives yeah. for the most part. And, and it's part of the system that as comfortable as we get to live because of the, the way the system works, many other people, you know, suffer under the system that we benefit from. But I don't think, um, I don't think communism, I don't have the answers for how to fix capitalism, but I definitely don't think communism is a, is a uh, better replacement at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, I don't think the form of government or economic system that does work has been developed and yet. It's been actually. developed yet. Yeah. We're still trying to figure that out. And again, I think by blaming it, blaming all our ills on, you know, uh, hierarchy and patriarchy and capitalism, we're not really addressing fully what the other factors could, could be or probably are. Not to say that any of those things that I just mentioned aren't relevant because they a hundred percent are well um, one of the one of the things i think needs to be considered is like you know you mentioned patriarchy and all that you know i feel like the uh assumption that men have the answer to everything is probably uh one of the one of the places that we go wrong as a society oh we definitely I mean? don't because i mean i know i know my one of my experiences in finland actually sorry denmark <laughs> is that country is basically run by women, sort of. Like, a lot of the big decisions yeah. are uh, mm -hmm. government, and, you know, we played this festival there, and the festival was run by women, and yeah. the whole thing went smoothly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, that's the answer, just turn, you know, turn everything over to women, but I think that what has to be acknowledged is that men and women are both have str strengths and weaknesses, and that the society needs to be looked at in those terms as how we can work together to sort of, capitalize on each other's strengths yeah you know and, and that definitely getting away from having a patriarchal society but having something that's more integrated especially living in a more complex society that we live in right now oh, of course yeah you know and i think that might be one thing to think about we, we, we can't <laughs> it, it it society doesn't work without each other and without us regulating you know what i mean are regulating each other so, and this also goes to, like, the whole thing of, like, don't blame it all on patriarchy the same way I don't want to blame it all on white guilt. Yeah. <laughs> you know totally, what I mean? Man. Like, and I also think that like, that's such an... How much are you responsible for the things that your ancestors did? I mean... Right. Most of my ancestors weren't even in the country around that right, time. Right, exactly. I mean, like, so I say that... I would I, say all of my ancestors. Yeah. Either the I Irish say or the that Italians. to say... I try to deal... I don't think it... Sure, you may benefit from these things that, you know, whether you're white, whether you're male, whether you're whatever, of course, you may benefit from these things unfairly, but are you going out of your way to, like, oppress other people? As an individual... I don't think so. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's fair to like take, you know, certain things like that and blame it all. Uh, not even blame it all. I, don't, I think you have to address people 
as individuals on an individual level because the second you label somebody as you know being a part of something that you blame whatever you identify their group as one they don't hear you anymore you know they're not they're, they stop listening and then it just becomes about defending themselves so that at that point you're no longer having an interactive conversation it's just like you're casting this label on me and now i'm just going to try to defend myself against that label and now you're no longer having an interactive communication but also the, the yeah. simplifying it to being like you know white black latin that's like yeah. okay well even within say how, how far are we going to take that like if you go even within those different cultures right. there's all sorts of like suppressions right. that go right. on within there's those short, cultures there's tall there's yeah. fat there's ugly attractive how far are you going to play play that game yeah you know and then eventually and here's the thing this is this is what you know western civilization figured out the impetus and the onus for responsibility is on the individual you know individual to individual that person has to take responsibility for themselves and yeah. conduct themselves accordingly to how they you know what i mean well that's that's how the, they want to interact that that's what i've been preaching right and, and I, I think holding time. someone accountable to themselves is the best way to go about it because it's like okay if you ask me about um you know we we get into the whole like gun thing and a oh, lot of times geez, people yeah. will go you know all you people are upset about like gun violence but no one wants to talk about like black on black crime and all that gun violence and then i go wait a minute yeah there's black on black crime and there, and there's you know gun violence and you know uh in the hood but me as another black guy who has family or cousins or, or friends in different hoods around new york city am i supposed to go to their block and go what up guys what's up with all this black i'm not responsible for their fucking black on black gun violence you know what i mean nor do i hold you responsible for you to go from one white man to the other and go what are you guys do you know what i mean doing you on an in, you have to deal with people and their well, responsibility think, on an individual level. Yeah, I mean, like the gun, the gun violence thing in both in, is different, completely different in both cultures. Really, it's yeah. like, you know, I'll talk about the white perspective <laughs> since I'm a white guy. You know, but it's like this whole thing about people shooting up schools and all that stuff. I feel like the fact that we're discussing guns is a is a distraction to what's actually the problem with this shit. It's mm. like. These kids are all fucking pharmaceutical drugs, man. All these kids are like, their parents put them on pharmaceuticals because my kid's running around. He thinks he's Ted Nugent. He's jumping up, going, going nuts. Yeah, it's put like, him on Prozac. Put him on Prozac. It's like, all right, well, that has a side effect, man. And like, there are people that I know in the periphery of my life that have like, you know, one, one woman I know went through a divorce, okay? Mm -hmm. And she, her, her doctor, her therapist put her on uh, some sort of like SSRI or whatever. And then she got, started developing suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the reality is like, okay, if you're going through something like that, maybe you need to be sad for a while. You know, if you're a kid, you're 14 years old, your life's intense. You know, I got all this energy. I don't know. I feel weird, whatever. You need to feel that. You don't just put that person on drugs because they're they're experiencing what I've experienced when I was 14 years yeah. old and countless 14-year-olds all the way back in history. That is the one thing that differs from what's gone on during my generation. People weren't shooting up schools because I don't think that the, uh, the pharmaceutical reach was as deep as it was yeah. 
as it is now. And also the media um, wasn't, I don't think, as divisive and as um, vitriolic. Yeah. Because even, okay, like the guy in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. He okay. wasn't a kid. Yep. He wasn't no, a teenager. That's a, yeah. that's a grown man. This, this a successful, well-to-do, wealthy, grown man yep. decided. To yeah, he was a gambler, right? Wasn't he like a professional gambler? Something I think? like yeah. that. I mean, he was well off, though. Yeah. Went batshit and fucking started splattering people. So, pharmacists, again, it goes back to let's address all the things that it yeah. can be. And let's go by empirical data. Never mind opinions, because we all get to have our opinions. We need to try to let scientists, you know what I mean, do their jobs and experts at this thing. Empirical data, and then look at all the empirical data and, and try to approach it from each angle. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you know whether it's a group of people that are on medicines or a group of people that, you know what I mean, or a racist or they're uh -huh. crazy or whatever their problem is you need to try to you know place some personal responsibility and care on individuals because i think that's how you like correct society it's only through i think you can't correct society by thinking you're gonna fix all groups mm -hmm. you know what i mean you're yeah. only gonna adjust society by you know having helping and allowing an individual on an uh, on a to take responsibility of themselves with with the adjustments that you know family and friends and, and community and society and to some extent the government can provide to help individuals get better but this whole thing of like you're gonna fix society by like fixing white men or you're gonna fix society by like fixing you know what I mean like black teenagers that can't stop shooting each other it doesn't really it doesn't seem to work that way by like thinking you're gonna fix the group it seems to work that like on an individual basis that's how the you know seems to me that that's how it changed can can be implemented and, and adjusted uh in the best way that's awesome man yeah and on that note man thanks for coming by absolutely anytime i hope we can do this again Nah, we should do a regular one yeah man. yeah that's awesome i'm down cool 100 percent. Right, thanks a lot kyle absolutely and uh thanks out there for listening and uh, i'll see you guys soon